process memo, the precursor of the CIA, where they were doing a study of the use of motion pictures in America as a means of psychological warfare. So it goes all the way back to pre-1947 when U.S. intelligence was, uh, was using motion pictures uh, to alter the thinking of Americans in the United States. The morale of our troops is high. The laughter, music, and general entertainment which comes out of a single small package like this one have helped to build that morale. The CIA is funneling information into Hollywood. Hollywood is putting out, out in the movies and the population believes it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Black and Blurred podcast. Hello. I'm Brandon. I'm Darren. That's Darren. If you listen to our previous episode, are you upset that I also introduced no, you verbally? No, even no. after yourself? I just, okay. Am I not allowed to also introduce you? You are allowed. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're with me in doing this. Thank you. Guys, that's Darren. I'm here. It's me. <laughs> if you tuned in to our last episode, um, we kind of dealt with uh, where we are right now, the coronavirus, but we dealt specifically with um, how the news is being shared to us regarding this coronavirus. Yeah. Um, conversations can get interesting when you start accusing the media of lying. <laughs> um, but speaking of media lying, what you just heard was a clip from a recent documentary called Out of Shadows. Um, and if you haven't seen it, I... Uh, Implore you to see it, to watch it, to go watch it. It's yeah, on YouTube. Yeah, watch it before they take it down. Yeah. Because I've looked at it before, and um, just yesterday when I watched it, it had 200 million views. Mm -hmm. And today it had 65,000. Yeah, because they keep having to repost it. Yeah. So uh, this one I have pulled up right here has 48,000. That's crazy. Yeah. So uh, watch it. Um, uh, it's important. It's a It's a conversation. That needs to happen. Uh, and it's a conversation that gets shut down in two major ways. One in the way that we just just mentioned uh, by those who are in, in power and uh, in, in, in power in a generic sense. I'm not talking about anything dark or nefarious or deep state power, just general power. The people who control YouTube have the power to control the content of YouTube. Mm -hmm. And so they use that power to uh, control what content uh exists on YouTube. Right. Uh, and so they control it in that way, or they control it by having us fight and question and doubt ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, and so people who may bring up questions regarding um, motives of those who are representatives or leaders or who are, have authority, uh, a knee jerk reaction by people is to cast them away right. for some reason. But, um, it's it's a it's a conversation that needs to be had, you know. The conversation about government, uh, you know. I mean, we have that conversation every single day, yeah. especially in this area. I mean, this is it, we're we're in Prince George's County, you know, near DC, and you know, conversations about government happen all over the world. Yeah, you know, but you know, for American government, it definitely happens here. So we're at the we're in the we're hub. In the, yeah, we're in the heart of it. We're we're in the hub of it. What is? I mean. Is I mean, government's a generally good thing, right? 
Is that a trick question? (laughs) (laughs) It's not a trick question. I mean, generally speaking, at its core, to be governed is a good thing. And it's necessary. Uh, I would say government is necessary and it's not inherently bad. Mm -mm. No. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I mean, you know, uh, one of the main things I learned um, at the prestigious... Baltimore Polytechnic Institute, American government, Mr. Jutris was my teacher. Was government's role of preventing anarchy. Right. You need structure. Yeah. You need structure. Um now some people in this world see how the need for structure can immediately turn into abuse. Right. And some people in this world don't see that. Yeah. That's why it's important that your structure is built on a firm foundation. A firm foundation. Yeah. If that foundation is compromised, your structure is compromised. Yeah. 100%. We, um, you know, I've had conversations with people. One of the things that I mentioned in our last episode is that some of the ways that we view, um, Government might be shocking to people who know us. Mm-hmm. Um, it won't be shocking to the people who are su- super close to us. Um, and it also won't be shocking to the people who share the sentiments. Right. You know, regarding government and especially in 21st century um, United States of America government mm-hmm. and how governance is seen and, and handled and carried out. Right. Um, like if if somebody came up to you and asked you right now, hey, how do you feel about government? Like, what would you what would you say? I mean, my initial reaction would be I hate them. <laughs> um, I hate government and what it is now. Um, I don't hate the idea of government. Um, but I would say our American government has been. So removed from its roots. Um. That it's hard to embrace it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to be proud of it. It's hard to um, take pride in it. Some people would say that the roots, the very roots, are nefarious in nature. The very roots of the government led to slavery and abuse of people. Um, well, I would say that anytime there's people, you know, Cap said it best. <laughs> Whenever there's people, they have agendas. Um, By Cap, he means Captain America. I do. I assume you knew that. Uh, you know, you know. Whenever there's people, there's agendas. Um, and you know, by no means in history was the government ever uh, absent of flaw. Mm-hmm. They were humans, right? Um, they were humans and they needed to be held accountable. They needed to be held accountable. How were they held accountable? Well, well, I mean, they're held, they, they viewed themselves accountable in a lot of ways. Um, there's plenty of documents in history that <laughs> show that they were first, a lot of them were first accountable to God and they were accountable to the people, which is us, the people who are actually in power. Yeah. Um, the um, 
the preamble to the Constitution says the purpose of our federal government um, is to establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity. In order to achieve this purpose, the founding fathers established three main principles. Um, and that's that's I mean, and I would say that they acknowledge three main principles and that's inherent rights. Self, yeah, inherent rights, um, self-government, which is government by the people, mm-hmm. and separation of powers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's from 1787. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like I would say the same thing. I, I, you know, I think the only reason there isn't uh, historical slavery, I'll say that on purpose, the only reason there isn't historical slavery today is because at a certain point, even through bloodshed, those who did not hold themselves accountable, even if they claimed to hold themselves accountable to God, didn't hold themselves accountable to the principles built into the structures, eventually had to be held accountable to them. Because they had to be held accountable by the people they were called and chosen to govern. Right. They had to be held accountable to them. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't happen without a structure or a um, a recognition justifying a, yeah. principle, yeah. A, a basis, a foundation that they must fall on. You know, um, yeah. I think for me, you know, one thing that I've realized in these conversations is that people, if if we haven't learned anything about one another, and one thing we've definitely learned is that we all have different views of government. But people aren't patient and sympathetic enough to learn why. Right. They they don't sit to listen to that conversation. They just, we just kind of lash out at each other for having differing opinions. Um, even if they diametrically oppose one another, that, there's a reason. Right. There's a reason for it. And guess what? Even after listening to it, you could still disagree. Yeah, but you would at least understand why, mm-hmm. and we don't. That's not promoted, right? Uh, you know, it's a conversation that doesn't really happen. Yeah, um, I mean, it's insane to think that every person should have the same way of thinking. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about the way you were raised, the specific things that happened in your life that make you you, um, specific circumstances of your of your of your upbringing your parents your grandparents your brothers sisters your schools the states you live in there's no way that each and every one of us can agree on every topic it's crazy there's no way i disagree i'm lying i agree with that you know but one thing that unfortunately drowns out this conversation is our desire to just What's the word I'm looking for? Discredit mm-hmm. people's reasons for differ, you know, differing opinions. Right. Um, and, and we kind of like use like pseudo slander and ad hominem attacks on one another if if there's a differing uh, difference of opinion. Um, and and then just kind of poo poo it. I guess one because some of us, I mean, well, not some, all of us deal with pride. Human beings, it's just inherent in us. Yeah. Pride. Um, 
and we don't want to remove ourselves. You know, one of the ways that I experienced this, this is not government related. It's just difference of perspective related. Mm-hmm. As a Baltimore Ravens fan, as a Baltimore born Baltimore Ravens fan, mm-hmm. as a black Baltimore born Baltimore Ravens fan, as a Christian black Baltimore-born, Baltimore Ravens fan. People who are close to me have information on where my fanhood comes from. Yeah. Um, people who aren't that close to me and people who may just see that I'm a Ravens fan probably just think I'm a fanboy. Yeah. I like football. I'm from Baltimore. Boom. Connection made. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, they have no idea the strings attached to my heart regarding you know that, that fanhood. And that would be challenged. I have tobacco in my mouth. I don't know. Some tobacco is getting in me, on my tongue from the cigar. But um, one of the one of the uh, ways that we're the butt of the joke, and have been since 1998, <laughs> um, is the incident that Ray Lewis found himself in, mm-hmm. and in that incident. He was accused of murder, and from that point on, and I'm not exaggerating here. There's no hyperbole in what I'm about to say. He's been slandered as a murderer. Yeah, He was accused, and then it was concluded by everyone. That he had nothing now, to do with it. No. when I say everyone, that's hyperbole. It's not everyone. But by a by lot the, of people. By the courts. More, more no, well, not, not by the courts. By the courts, he was ruled innocent. <laughs> oh, wait, yeah. what were you about to say? I didn't yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, by everyone else. The butt of the joke is he's oh. a murderer. Oh, right, yeah. And we are a team of murderers. Yeah. That's the joke. The entire team. That's the joke. So there are different levels of displeasure I find in this joke. Mm-hmm. One, uh, as a, um, one, you know, the most, the most superficial way is a football fan. I'm a Ravens fan. Don't come at the Ravens. Okay, boom. Leave me alone. But then the next level would be um, as a person, just as a person, uh, you know, he, he, he was accused and um, deemed innocent with beyond uh, reason, reasonable doubt. You know, he was proven innocent. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's like, that's not, you know, it's just not nice. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's not nice. Yeah. But then third, and I think the one that's most closest to me is as a as a black man. Do you know the power of an accusation in the yeah. life of a black man? Right. Do you know that all it took was an accusation to get someone that looks like us strung up on a tree? Right. That's all it took. All it takes is for someone to point a finger and say he did that. Mm-hmm. And you end up with stories like Emmett Till. That's all it takes. An accusation. Yep. And people don't see how they can join in the mob and say, yeah, string them up. Right. To the and point where it's the butt of a joke. And not to mention, some people actually died. Um, yeah, yeah. That's what he says. Some people actually died that night. And, and no one cares. Their family isn't getting any love, any grace, any support because everyone's focused on Ray Lewis. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's just one of the ways that people, you know, people would hear me defend him 
And they would just think, oh, listen to this Homer. Oh, he's just, he's defending his raven. Uh, you know, he's a murderer. And so he's, he's, you know, just like a typical Homer. Even if somebody commits murder, he's going to defend him. That's just stupid. Yeah. Uh, and that also proves you don't know me, yeah. first of all. Secondly, um, that's not who I am as a person. Right. Because we can talk about Ray Rice. I don't think Ray Rice received the justice he deserves. Right. Exactly. I, I don't I don't think he did. I think he got off very easy. Mm-hmm. That hurt. Yeah. That was a bummer. But as a human being, <laughs> right. <laughs> there's video of you assaulting your fiance. So, you know, not to bring, you know, dig up that stuff for him, but just to say, like, you can, you can, I mean, I try to be objective. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting back to the point, you know, there are different perspectives and there are different ways that we see things and different ways that we experience things and, and we don't take the time to understand why the differences exist. And so going back to government, um, I think for a lot of, young Baltimorean men um, and certainly black men in Baltimore from the ages of, you know, 13 to 25. Obviously it doesn't start uh, only after 13. It doesn't end before 25, but in that time frame, you fit the description of a lot of stuff happening. Right. You fit the description. And unfortunately, the people who are also committing the crimes are predominantly within that range as well. Yeah. Uh, not only are they in that range, but they also exist at the same venues that you like to frequent during mm-hmm. that age, during those ages. Yeah. Um, so uh, during that time frame, I had a lot of run-ins with the police. <laughs> a lot of run-ins with the police. And I can count on one hand. Uh, the run-ins that were pleasant. Um, I can't count on both my hands, the ones that were not. Yeah. Um, and these are citizens who have been selected to protect other citizens. Meanwhile, my experience is that they lord over these citizens and harass them. It's a form of governance, right. their job. Their job is a form of go- governance. And even in that small spectrum, power can be, in a, be abused. Right. And Lord knows we've seen it abused even to the point of death. So my perspective on government is it must be supervised with vigilance. Right. Rather than us simply thinking, well, you know, they're in power. Let them do what they do. Mm -hmm. I'll go even further. I don't want someone having the authority to provide for me all I need. Right. Because at a certain point, they will utilize that position against me. (laughs) They'll, They'll use that. That's my perspective. Why is that my perspective? Because we've seen it. Right. And if we haven't experienced it personally, we learned a whole lot about it in school. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. A whole lot about it in school. Mm -hmm. You know, what's so funny. It's actually not funny. I use that as a, uh, uh, I can't think right now. What's the word? What's the phrase I'm looking for? Figure of speech. 
Use that as a figure of speech. I told you about this this one time. I, you know, it took me so long to go to the Holocaust Museum. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I just, I don't know. I never went to D.C. to like be a tourist. Yeah, me either. Yeah, I don't know why. I, I never, I never did that. Um, I didn't have anything against it. I actually wanted to. I just never thought to, you know, never yeah. thought to do it. Anytime I went to D.C., especially when I was younger, was to go to a, a party or something like that. I don't know, but you know, I finally went to the Holocaust Museum maybe two years, uh, maybe three or four years ago, actually. And plastered in the Holocaust Museum is this phrase, never again. <laughs> never again. And that left me thinking, like, I'm, I'm inferring that what they're saying is never again will we get to a place where this could happen. Right. And then that leaves you thinking, oh, well. Why wouldn't it happen again? What can well, we do? Well, yeah. What is it that happened? Well, right. what happened is the government ended up slaughtering a bunch of people. Here's the interesting thing. They did it to the applause of other people. Right. right. How did that actually happen unless right. you can demonize a person first, mm -hmm. you spend years and years conditioning people to demonize one another, mm -hmm. and then when it gets to the point that it's for the benefit of the rest of the populace to eliminate these people, you can eliminate them to an applause. Mm -hmm. But there needs to be a power that's not checked right. first. And here we are, 21st century. Never again. Never again. You Meanwhile, I never saw Never Again at the African American Museum. <laughs> I, I didn't see that no. um, at all. Uh, no. But, um, yeah, that's such an interesting mindset. I guess it's more of an emotional appeal than a, a call to than arms, actual, you know, right. yeah. a, a call to vigilance, a call to mindfulness and intentionality in regards to our responsibility as citizens, you know. Um, so, yeah, you know, this different perspective um, and this lack of sympathy or lack of desire to understand different perspectives goes into what this documentary talks about. Mm -hmm. Um of no credit to myself or no pr trying to prop up me or Darren. Uh, but the things that this documentary talks about is something that we've known um, for over 10 years. Yeah. Something that we've seen and read about and has been reading about for over 10 years. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, some of the stuff that this documentary brings up when they get into the spiritual aspect of our government and, and, government officials and their own spirituality in reading and more and more about the evils of the spirituality of different government leaders and officials in present day and in history, reading about those things is what led me mm -hmm. to Christ. Yeah. It was way too dark. Right. <laughs> it was way too dark. And so the next response in me reading about these things was to find out, well, I mean, goodness, what does the Bible say? Right. 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 What does the Bible say about any of this? Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. We want to bring up some of the stuff. We, we want you to watch this documentary. But, I mean, there's there's a whole lot this there's thing a, talks it, about. It, yeah. There's a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, are, some, what are some of the things you, you took from it? Um, let me light this cigar. Um, well... 
I mean, this this documentary is chocked full of information, but I mean, I guess the theme of it is is is, is that um our government, like like Brandon said, it, it needs to be held accountable. Um, the government needs to be held accountable, um, and the government can't be trusted. <laughs> yeah, it can't be trusted. Um, uh, we can't assume that they have our best intentions in the forefront. Yeah. Well, real quick, the one narrating this, the one at the helm of this documentary. Uh, is a former stuntman in Hollywood, um, and in a lot of big movies. Yeah, I mean he's a he's a very prominent yeah. stuntman. You're talking about um, the Matrix. He climbed the ladder. Uh, <laughs> Equilibrium. Equilibrium. Uh, uh, Mission Impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime, Batman. Batman. Anytime you see somebody jumping off a building, it's probably this guy. This dude. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know he rose the ladder in the ranks yeah starting as a stunt man then he was like a stunt coordinator then a director you know something like that so um and what happened was he ended up getting injured uh and 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 it was a, a pretty serious yeah. injury he was that, paralyzed from the waist down right temporarily right yeah but he was paralyzed uh and he had to see a specialist and in his physical therapy the specialist happened to be a christian but while she was treating him she stopped and asked if she could pray for him because she just felt darkness around him, mm-hmm. you know, in his responses, you'll see his response is like, look, I mean, I don't care. You can pray for me and you believe that stuff. But and her response is like, basically, when these elite actors and officials and whoever it is do their um, ceremonies. Yeah. Terrible stuff. When they do their different occultic practices on children, on women, and they are, you know, broken apart as a result of these ceremonies, who do you think, for the living ones, mm-hmm. has to put them back together? Right. She was saying, I, I, my job, mm-hmm. I see them. I put them back together. Right. Trust me. You need to believe in this. Right. This is real. I love the question he asked in the beginning. He asked, why do you believe what you believe? (laughs) Why do you believe what you believe? Just like, you know, a very, uh, you know, philosophical question, existential question. You know, where do your beliefs come from? Right. Um, And he's speaking more about like in the realm of news and media and what you believe about the world and what you believe about. This is your worldview. Society, yeah. 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 Worldview. Um, yeah, I mean, this documentary really exposes a lot. Um, it's so easy to look at this and go, you know, I hate looking at it and, and because it makes you, um, because of our prideful hearts, we look at it and we start to frown up at these people who do evil things. But the fact of the matter is it is pure evil. Um, and we can, it's okay to say that it's evil, um, without judging these human beings and without having pride and trying to make yourself, uh, better than, better than they are. But, you know, the documentary talks a lot about, um, prominent sections of government and their involvement 
in Hollywood, in media, in television. Um, there's a there's a an ex CIA whistleblower named uh, Kevin Ship in this documentary, um, and he talks a lot about the CIA. I mean, he was in the CIA for um, a long time. <laughs> he's in the CIA for a long time. I think he said thirty years. 30, yeah, a long time, and he's been through the ranks in the CIA, and he's seen so many different things. And what he points out is that the CIA is intentionally using movies and television to alter the way we think, um, to alter the way we view things all the way down to from, from all the way from childhood up into adulthood, Mm -hmm. starting from Disney all the way up until will and grace and (laughs) anything else you want to watch on TV. Mm -hmm. The CIA is using those those media outlets, YouTube, all those things to control the way we think. Mm-hmm. Um, and how does the CIA have this information? How does the CIA know how to manipulate our minds? How do they know how to control our minds in the way we think? Well, one statistic they brought up that was very eye-opening and shouldn't be surprising to us at all, but they said that Video streaming today now makes up 58% of all internet usage. That's insane. We're talking about all internet usage. Mm -hmm. Every time your Wi-Fi is working, 58% of that time you're streaming something. Right. I I always use this. I I can't remember who said it. Um, But if I had to put... um, If I had to put this documentary into a statement, I forget who said it. I'll try to get the answer for you all. But someone once said that you learn the most when you think you're being entertained. (laughs) Yeah. You learn the most when you think you're being entertained. And as far as us having this conversation and talking about these things, um, talking to my Christians out there who who don't bother with it or – pretty much ridicule people who want to talk about it and want to find the truth. Uh, let me remind you of first Corinthians 13 It's a passage that I think a lot of people, Christian and non-Christian use at weddings and different mm-hmm. ceremonies. And, and it's Paul giving this definition of what love is. It's not an exhaustive one, but it's a true one. You know, you're probably you're familiar with it. If I start saying love is patient, love and kind, does not envy or boast. But he goes on and it says love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, <laughs> but rejoices with the truth. Mm-hmm. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, all things. Love never ends. And so you have brothers and sisters who have a burden to shine light on the truth Mm -hmm. and they're being deterred by other brothers and sisters. Yeah. We have to be mindful of that. We got to be mindful of that. There was, um, they didn't give a year for when, for this quote, the first vice president of Walt Disney. Okay. The first vice president of Walt Disney said, motion pictures are inescapably one of the world's greatest forces for influencing public thought and opinion, both home and abroad. (laughs) Wow. 
That's that's the first vice president of Walt Disney. We talking about old, old oh yeah, old old. Oh yeah, yeah we talking yeah. about beginnings. Yeah, humble beginnings. The beginnings, not so humble beginnings. Yeah, you know, I remember, remember why a long time ago when we were pointing out the different things that we would see in Disney movies. Yeah. Now this is very old. So if you're listening to this and you're born in the, I don't know, mid to late nineties or early two thousands or whatever, yeah. you won't know maybe, but on V when VHS tapes were out, they're these big blocks <laughs> that look like black bricks with white circles in them. But, uh, Different movies like The Little Mermaid, the cover art had sexual symbols on them. Mm -hmm. Like The Little Mermaid, the castle was made up of phallic shapes. There's a recent one um, where, uh, uh, what's the movie? Boo, Big Boo, Little Boo. Boo. Monsters 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 Inc. Monsters Inc. A very small clip where the mo- they show the monster in the peek closet, in the yeah. peek in the room, and on the side of the wall, outside of the shot, mm-hmm. there you know this he's in the room, so they're showing the the child's room, mm-hmm. and on the side of the wall, there's a picture of a drawing. It's implied that the child drew yeah, it's like the drawing, drawing in crayon, drawing yeah. in crayon, and it says "mommy and daddy," and it's a sexual position. Yeah, with with. And they're they're naked because there are certain <laughs> right. there, there yeah. are certain uh, physical attributes right. that are shown in the picture right. to show that they're naked mm-hmm. and they're in a sexual position. Yeah. And this is a Disney or I don't know what's Monsters Inc. Pixar. Disney. Pixar. Okay, yeah, but it's a child's movie. Yeah, you know, it's a child's movie made by adults. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and 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 a movie, yeah, made for children. You know they. They they persuade you that this movie is made for children, and they have all these inside jokes. You know, the, the the trick is that they think they want you to believe that children can't comprehend, or their subconscious can't absorb images, mm-hmm. phrases. They don't get some of the jokes in Shrek. They don't get those jokes. They don't get the jokes in Monsters Inc. Mm-hmm. Now the question is, if it's a child's movie, why is it even in there? Mm-hmm. You know, why is it there? I, I mean, this goes for all of us too, though. Right. And as far as what we do with our subconscious, mm-hmm. if we're mindful of it, if we're mindful of the things that we continue to pour into us, mm-hmm. um, there's an apologist and itinerant preacher named Ravi Zacharias. And he talks about how to be mindful of the things that we read and watch. Yeah. But he talks about because of this, he doesn't mention the statistic of 58%, but because of the overwhelming sense of everyone's eyes being glued to something everyone uh consuming something with their mind at some point he says that we should be looking with our eyes and through our subconscious at all that we see and read Mm -hmm. but instead we look through our eyes the void of a subconscious and so we just intake everything not recognizing what we're we're watching, not recognizing what we're seeing. There was this, remember this video, dog? You showed me this video, and I'm so sick that I watched it, but it was this random video of someone recording at Niagara Falls. Oh, yeah. There was this video. Someone is at Niagara Falls, and 
um, you know, we still don't know what was actually yeah, happening. Yeah. They start recording, and there's this guy who's just because at in this specific place that they were at in the falls, they were trying to get to this tree. In this specific spot that they were at in the falls, all these trees had gathered in a co- all little these little floating stumps, logs. yeah, floating yeah. logs had gathered in the corner, and one guy was just trying to get this one look. You know, I guess it was a cool looking. I don't, know, I don't know what he was trying to get it, but he was trying to reach in and get it, and then he decided to jump in and get it, and he just kind of like floated to it, um, and, and he was holding on to it, uh, and so for the viewer, we were watching him kind of float on to it and hold on to it, but then he starts panicking, and he can't swim. He starts panicking. He can't swim. His friend fr- jumps into the falls as well, and... um. He floats over, right over to the friend. But then the friend that's panicking starts to use him to try to bob himself up. And he starts pushing down his friend who jumped in to save him. Yeah. And so, you know, his friend is trying to save himself too and whatnot. And, and, and so they're both kind of like scrambling to try to get to the top and, you know, stay above water. And then after about maybe a minute and a half, they both just sink under. Yeah. And then they're gone. Because what we were watching was what what was happening on the surface. Right. That's all we could see. All we could see on the surface is two dudes in the water who are struggling in the water at that point. Mm -hmm. But what was happening at the bottom was the undercurrent that was so strong and it was taking them in a specific direction. And so even though they were trying to stay at the the top, the undercurrent was dragging them towards the fall. And that's what ended up happening. Because they jumped into the water, and the top of the water was very still. It was very calm. All you just saw was a bunch of trees floating, uh, logs floating around. But the only reason those logs were all collected in the same place is because the undercurrent was taking them to a specific direction. That's the same thing that happens in everything that we watch and read. Right. Its desire is to take you in a specific direction. And if you aren't watching with that intent... You'll go there. Yeah. You know, this isn't, you know, this isn't something that they just stumbled upon. It's like, oh, wait, this will be, this will be nice. I wish we could do this. I wish there was a way where we can trick people into watching images and then we can control them. Yeah. Like, no, this is something that they had worked on. I don't know if you've heard of Operation Paperclip. This is public. Well, that was me. That In case you all missed it, that was. Doug. I'm going to let you finish. Mm-hmm. Taylor, I'm going to let you finish. Mm-hmm. But Beyonce had one of the greatest. No, no, no. But uh, <laughs> everything that they mentioned in this documentary is public information. It's public information. Yeah. You can, you can, you can look it up anywhere. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's declassified. It's not something that's, you know, been shredded. No one can ever get a hold of. No. The people who just have the information and want to share it are being demonized and, and scrutinized and silenced. Mm-hmm. But Operation Paperclip, um, it was a CIA director named Alan Dulles. Um, he was a director of the CIA from 1953 to 1961. Um, and a friend of um, a general in Germany <laughs> uh, named Heinrich Hendler. And um, he, was, he was German. He was German. And these guys had been associates during World War II. And 
this 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 general had also in from Germany had worked with scientists in in Germany, um, like Brandon was saying, like in order for the in order for the Holocaust to happen, these people had to be um, manipulated in a way to believe that a certain group of people needed to be exterminated. <laughs> so they they had found a way to trick people through media, through radio, through all types of propaganda to believe that a certain people, Jewish people, Jewish men, women, and children were not worthy of living, essentially, mm-hmm. <laughs> or were worthless, were the cause of, of any issue that they had going on in Germany at the time. And they had done, they had done a bunch of experiments on these men, women, and children. Um, they used psychological studies and uh, all, all types of drugs, to experiment on these men, women, and children. But Operation Paperclip is specifically Alan Dulles, the CIA director. Um, Who's the younger brother of John, John Dulles, Dulles, where our Dulles airport is named after. Right. Um, he brought all the top Nazi scientists from Germany that were studying on these Jewish men, women, and children. The ones to, that were alive. The ones that were left alive, right. To the United States and falsified their documents. Um, and he brought those falsified documents to Harry Truman uh, to make it seem like they weren't they didn't have any war crimes when they were Nazis. They, they definitely had war crimes. But he he falsified this CIA director, United States CIA, CIA director, brought these Nazi scientists over um, to learn about their experiments, mm-hmm. to learn about their their technique and their practices mm-hmm. and perfect and perfect them people. on American people. And. Um, the CIA memo in 1951 says um, that the scientific methods for controlling the minds of individuals is the aim. The aim is controlling an individual to the point where he will do our bidding against his will. Yeah. So that was an, a plan coming from a director of the CIA. Mm-hmm. You know what's wild about that? Like I have personal indirect contact with this reality. In that one of my professors in seminary, um, very nice man, I won't mention his name, his father was one of the scientists brought over for Operation Paperclip. He wow. talked about it in our class. Mm. Um, and back to my, under, you know, what I was saying about perspectives, it's very, it's a very different perspective when you hear about a former Nazi scientist through the eyes of one of his children. Yeah. It's a very different perspective. Um, you know, I understood that perspective. Um, and he wasn't uh, an apologist, you know, of his father and, and what they did in Germany. But, um, yeah, his, his father was one of the scientists brought over to the United States uh, to continue his work. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the, their technique was basically to, to wipe your minds to, to pretty much clean your mind. They would, I mean, and this is, this is actually um, kind of a, a child of operation paperclip, which is MK ultra. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, the goal was to wipe the minds of people and implant new messages by forcing the patient to listen to a hypnotic repetition 
as many as 250,000 times. And what they talk about in this documentary um, and and what's been spoken about for years Mm -hmm. is that one technique they use in regards to the way people perceive this information and how they react to this information is they take all the things that have actually been happening. So we're talking about um, Operation Paperclip, uh, Nazi scientists brought over. You t- you brought up Captain America earlier. Yeah, absolutely. We have Nazi scientists working for the United States and Captain America. Absolutely. You talk about MK Ultra. I mean, there's scores of movies. Yeah. American Ultra, Born Identity, Conspiracy Theorists, Manchurian Candidate. All of these movies chronicle the um, studies of MK Ultra and their practices. And, and one of the techniques they use is they put these very realistic and historical government acts in film mm-hmm. to desensitize you to the reality of them. So if someone comes to you and says, hey, um, you know, the United States, even though it's declassified, but they trust that Americans don't read anything important. Um, you'll say that, hey, you know, Nazi scientists that were doing eugenics and killing people with their science experiments actually after the war ended, they weren't sentenced and justice wasn't served. They were brought over to America to further their studies. And people would be like, what? No, that's in Captain America. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, we see it in, in a lot of our movies. Zoolander. Yeah. MK Ultra. They programmed him to kill the prime minister. But it's a comedy. It's a stupid Zoolander movie with a bunch of looks that he gives. Right. And so it's laughable. Mm-hmm. We can be desensitized to it. Yeah. You know, this movie, even, I mean, this documentary, even with all the things that we just talked about, it takes a dark dive. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's just the surface level. It takes a dark dive. Surface level. You know, one thing that he brought up. You know, I've had this conversation with some people and I try to pick and choose who I had this conversation with. You know, some people try to force feed people with information. I don't think that's helpful. You know, people, you know, something that Jesus would say to the people he was teaching that those with ears, let them hear. Mm -hmm. Those with eyes, let them see. The one who sees, see. One who hears, hear. And so, you you know, if you get it, you get it. (laughs) If you know, you know, essentially. (laughs) If you know, you know. And one of the things that I would talk about people is, have you ever asked what is Hollywood? Yeah. You ever asked where it started? I mean, was there this this young boy or young girl that said, oh, I dream of a, a time where people will want to act. Um, you know, a bunch of thespians and we'll all gather in California. And, you know, that'll be the hub of where everybody showcases their Thespian capabilities. No. <laughs> no. Hollywood, <clears throat> the, ti- the title comes from the holly tree, mm-hmm. which was a tree and its fruit was used for occultic practices. Yeah. Where they would take the leaves, they would take the fruit from the tree and they would um, use it to make different wines for um, incantations and spells and, and and other different occultic practices. Yeah. The druids would do it. Right. Meanwhile, that's the name of the center of our entertainment. Absolutely. 
Man. Right. And, and you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not, it sounds so, you're talking about World War II, you know, it makes it sound so old. Mm-hmm. Um, but just in 1975, George H.W. Bush said, hey, guys, we can't do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, we can't, we can't, can't test on people. MK anymore. Ultra. And yeah, we can't, we can't. And then what he said, what he said was what happened was that he, he, back to the terms, back to the way they phrase things, he made it voluntary. Yeah. Right. Um, and he also was he talking make it about, illegal. Yeah. And so that was also pertaining to the CIA paying journalists and paying news stations and large networks to, to report false information. If you didn't, if you weren't paying attention to the opening clip of this episode, go back and listen to it. That's, mm-hmm. that's what is being said. And it's not just a claim. They showed a hearing, mm-hmm. a hearing uh, in the sixties. Yeah. It was in, was it? I think it was 1961. Yeah. Where the CIA was specifically asked, Hey, uh, are you, you planting people in the entertainment industry and feeding information to them so that they feed information to the public, and they're like, uh, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we have um, we have done that." Yeah, 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 yeah. yes, sir, yes, sir. There's you're a guy correct. named um, Sig Mickelson. He was a CBS News president from 1954 to 1961, um, and, and a reporter asked him, "Like, hey, do you think this still happens today? You think, you know, this still happens today?" And I, I believe. At a time, it was he was retired. He was no longer the president. It was around 1970s, um, and he said, uh, "Yes, but reporters have to be careful because they'd run the risk of being investigated." Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is on whether or not the CIA is paying large news networks to report false news. Going back even a little further, the OSS mm-hmm. was the Office of Strategic Services. Yeah. The OSS later became the CIA. Mm-hmm. Different names. It's the same. Tra- it's the same. Uh, 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 I don't know. Branch or whatever. Yeah, the same a, platform. Yeah, right. Um, same government operation. But it was once called the OSS. The OSS once commissioned one David Sarnoff, who is a U.S. Army general and... Um, had mili- uh, it, a, a, a decorated military background, and as I mentioned, was a part of this intelligence community. Mm-hmm. You know what David Sarnoff went on to do? What's that? What does he? What do he do? He founded NBC. Oh wow! He Yikes. founded M- NBC. Exists because of a former CIA operative. Yeah. How about William S. Paley? William S. Paley was a director of operations for psychological warfare. Right. Also commissioned by the OSS. You know what Mr. Paley went on to do? What's that? He founded CBS. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, he talks about the the, the 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 stunt guy. I can't remember his name. The guy who's narrating this. He talks about, he said, if you look at all these large networks, CNN, MSNBC, or NBC, um, CBS, Google, all of these large companies, Disney, um, the family tree. There's a fa- like, there's a family bloodline that connects all of them. Mm. They're all they're all not related to each other, 
but they're all related to some <laughs> yeah, very few connection. families. They all know one another. <laughs> um, and you have to ask yourself, what? <laughs> you just have to ask yourself, how? Yeah. How did that happen? Yeah. And, and, and trust me, this documentary doesn't just stay at stories of old. No. In history. We'll talk about the new stuff in the next episode. <laughs> are, we, are we done? Are we at the time? Almost an hour. Oh man, that's so quick. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna do a part two of this Stay episode tuned. where it, it it dives deeper. It's not just, which is still pretty dark. Mm-hmm. It's very dark. Um, you know, secretly implanting messages in our minds as we watch symbols and stuff on TV. It's pretty dark. Yeah. Um, but it gets darker. Yeah. And it gets more current. Uh, you know, and it gets more challenging. Yeah. Very as we, challenging. As we talk about government. Mm-hmm. And our view of government, mm-hmm. it gets a lot more challenging. When you and start the teams to, we have in government. When you start to throw political in Political parties we've committed our lives to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In a world where things get bad very, very quickly. Stay tuned. As I said, we're just here. We'll do one of two things. Either offer you our humble opinion or the facts. Holler. <laughs>